Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we're helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all, or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can go to mynsc.org happenings. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout the week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? Yes. We're in Galatians. Uh, uh, a subtitle of that is Foolish No More, and you'll understand why I subtitled that in just a few moments as we start reading in Galatians chapter 3. Hopefully, you're reading along with us, and uh, as we study this book together, we're going to study a lot of Scripture today because it's so important and so vital in your relationship with Christ that you know these things. One of the things that we do here at New Song is we spread the gospel of grace, helping people become uh, passionate, devoted followers of Christ. And so one of the messages that, that I teach over and over and over again throughout the year, and it's on purpose, everybody, uh, is the message of grace. Because um, A, a lot of people don't know about the grace of God, and we want to spread the grace of God. We want to we perpetuate it, let everybody know how beautiful and wonderful it is. But the other thing is, a lot of people, as we started this a couple of weeks ago, that you've been saved by grace through faith, and, and you love the grace of God, but it's so easy to, to remember what we said. We kind of jump on the vine, and we go from the tree of life to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We, we go to, to a works mentality instead of a grace mentality. And, and some people are, you know, like Tarzan, just swinging back and forth. And, and we all want to stay with this tree of life mentality. And if you didn't hit that um, message, it's, it's from uh, Galatians chapter 1. You can go back and listen to that. And so we love preaching grace because it's so easy. It's so easy to start focusing. In fact, some of you have done it just over the last couple of weeks. You, you had this break in your life where, hey, I'm, I'm going to focus on grace. I'm not going to focus on works. I'm going to focus on worship. And you had this breakthrough, but it's so easy for that mentality to sneak its way back in into your life. And today, um, th this is going to be such an encouraging message for everybody that's here today. I promise you, whether you've been a Christian for 50 years or five days, you, you, or, or even if you're not a Christian as of yet, you're, you're going to find this message to be absolutely beautiful, absolutely encouraging. And I pray that at the end of it, that all of us, all of us, all of us will live in the grace of God. Okay, so Galatians chapter 3, Galatians 3, uh, starting in verse 1, it says, O foolish Galatians, and that's why we're titling this Foolish No More. O foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. We're going to stop right there as I set this up. So, so Paul, he was an apostle, and that means that he went around through, throughout the, the countries, not just country, but countries, and he, he just started churches everywhere he went. And then he would raise up this church, he would put somebody in charge of it, and then he would go and start another church. Well, over the course of time, he would hear about these churches or he would go back and, and, and revisit these churches again. And he's heard these things that are happening at, at the churches that he's planted in Galatia, which is modern day Turkey, that there is these people called the Judaizers that have come, that have come to the people in the Galatian churches and have really presented a gospel to them, which he says is no gospel at all. It's a false gospel, okay? And what it is was they, they came in and said, hey, we're glad that you guys believe in Jesus, but if you really want to be followers of God, you're going to add to that these things. And, and, and there were laws and, and, and rules that they would follow that, that they said, okay, uh, you know, if you follow Jesus, that's great, but if you really want to, this is what it really looks like to follow him. 
And it's by embracing not a relationship, but embracing these rules, these, these laws that you need to be obedient to. Well, Paul is addressing that, and he's saying, hey, listen, you, you, you guys, if you've bought into this, it's absolute foolishness that you would buy into that mentality. In fact, he says it this way. He says, oh, foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? Other translation says, who has bewitched you? And that word in, in the Greek is biskeno, and it literally means uh, to give the evil eye to, to fascinate, and in fact, to, to fascinate with something impure, something wrong, or to bewitch. So has anybody ever cast an evil eye on you? Have they ever given you the eye? You know what I'm talking about? Like the eye. You know, you've seen it. How many of you are, are guilty of actually giving the eye and not just receiving it? How many of you have kids? Okay. So... Uh, a great illustration of this is when I was growing up, and, and this is, this is a, um, a part of my childhood, was everybody, I was traumatized. I was traumatized as a child by my own mother who's sitting in the room today. And I just want to <laughs> say that publicly, that my mom and, and dad were in ministry. My dad was the pastor. My mom would sit at the piano and she would lead worship. Well, she had eyes all around her head, not just in the back. <laughs> And she saw when me and my brother, we were acting up, and the thing that she would do is she was playing, she'd be playing the piano with leading worship, and she'd give us the eye. You know what I'm talking about? The evil eye. And then if we did not obey that one time, we, there, there was something else that followed, and it was a snap and a finger that pointed at the floor, and it meant, get up here now. And during the middle of the worship service, me and my brother, we would have to go and sit at the base of the piano while my mom led worship. Can you imagine that? And every single one of you are going to leave this place today and say, well done, Toby. Well done. You did good, right? Um, so, and trust me, if you want to know the truth, there has been times that my own children have been sitting in this very room and they get a, they get a look from me. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but every now and then I can give the eye too because... Um, you know, you know, your parents and grandparents, you know what I'm talking about. And, and Paul is saying, hey, listen, they came into you and you were talking about the grace of God. You were talking about the beauty of God's grace, but they gave you the evil eye. They, they, they looked at you and said, whoa, no, 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 no. No, you've got to add something to that. Like, that's good, that's fine, but you've got to add something to that. And Paul is saying, listen, to embrace that is just foolishness. In fact, the meaning of Jesus Christ's death, the very meaning of it, he said, was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. And you might read that verse and say, well, that's a really, you know, that's a very relaxed translation of the Bible. You know, you know it, it sounds very just relaxed and maybe normal talk. Can I tell you, that's actually a very accurate translation of Galatians 3.1. And, and the word in there, when it talks about that you've seen this picture, in the Greek it means that Jesus, the meaning of Jesus' cross, cross was, it was on public display is the meaning of it. In, in today's vernacular, it would be the meaning of Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection. It was, I made it like a billboard in front of you that there is no way in the world you could have misread any of it. You had an absolute, full, perfect view of the grace of Jesus Christ. I painted that picture for you so well, but somebody has come in and they've started painting over what I painted for you. And mine was the truth, but theirs is a lie. So he goes on to say then, verses two through five, 
Let me ask you this question. Like, having said that, let me ask you this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. Let's stop right there for a second. You believed the message. You believed the message, and and he teaches this in other places. When we accept the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and trust in him for salvation— the Holy Spirit comes alive in us. We are, in, we are actually filled with the Holy Spirit and our lives are made new. They're, they're not made better. They're made new, everybody. And he's saying, hey, listen, were you made new? Did you receive, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Did you have this transformation happen inside of you because you obeyed the law? He's like, of course not, no. You were transformed, not not because of obeying the law. You were transformed because you, in fact, I I highlighted it in your notes, because you believed. Not, let me say it this way, not because of how you acted, but because of your belief. And there's a difference. So verse three, how foolish can you be after starting your new lives in the spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort, which is exactly what the Judaizers were trying to get them to do, to add their human effort to it. Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is, and again, I highlighted this for you, because you believe the message you heard about Christ. And see, that sort of, it sort of makes sense to you already in the fact that if somebody is in need of a miracle and you're praying to God for a miracle, you're, you're not thinking about, okay, well, I am going to do this and this and this and this. And if I do this and this and this and this, then God's going to hear me and, and he's going to perform the miraculous. He's like, no, if you're praying for a miracle, what you're praying for is the grace and the power of God to show up even though you don't deserve it. Right? How many know what I'm talking about? Like when you've prayed, how many have ever prayed some 911 prayers? Like you were, just in, you were just in a mess, in an emergency, and you prayed this prayer, and you know good and well you didn't deserve to have God show up. Some of you, you, you dug your own grave. You know what I'm talking about. Like you're the one that stacked up the credit card debt, and all of a sudden, oh, God, help me. Well, that, that's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, listen, God is doing these miracles, but it's not based upon your behavior. It's based upon your faith. It's based upon your relationship with him through Jesus Christ. He he says this way, again, verse five, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message that you heard about Christ. And what is that message? The message that they had heard about Christ that that Paul had painted on on this billboard in their life where it was perfectly clear is that the only way you can be saved is you have to be saved by grace through faith and through faith alone. So we're saved by grace alone, through, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That's how it works. And he says this, and, and they knew this, that the wages of sin is actually death. But the gift of God, and it is a gift, the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's how it works. Let me give you a better example of that for, the, for those of you who might not understand this. Um, 
Have, have, you ever been in a, have you ever been in a restaurant and, and unknown to you, you're, you know, you're asking for the, the check. Can I just tell you t- something, by the way? I had this, a friend of mine, when, every time, not, almost every time, we would be out to, to dinner or out to lunch or something like that, and he, he wanted the check, he would snap his fingers. Don't ever do that. It's just rude. How many know that's just rude? It's just rude. So, so for all of the waitresses in the room, you're welcome. You're welcome. I got your, I got your back. But have you ever, you know, like, you, you talk to the waitress, hey, can, can we get our check now? I think we're ready to go. And, and the waitress says to you, oh, no, no, no. Um, your bill's already been paid. Somebody already paid for it. How many have ever had that happen to you? You've had that happen? How many have ever done that for somebody else? You just paid their bill. Isn't that, isn't that fun? It's a fun thing to do. Well, if you're sitting there, there's this, there's this part of you that the first thing you do is looking around, well, who paid my bill? You know, who, who did that? Because you want to say thanks. That's what you want to do. And there's this little part of you that says, well, they shouldn't have paid my bill. And, and you say, why? Why? Why do you think that? This is going to make total sense. They shouldn't pay my bill. They didn't eat the food. I ate the food. So I should be paying my own bill, right? And so you have this little, there's this little tension. Well, they shouldn't have done that. They didn't eat the food. I ate the food. They're not supposed to pay my bill. And then out of that thought comes this gratitude. Well, that was so nice of them. I should have brought all my children with me today. That would have been better. <laughs> no, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think. You'd just say, that is so nice of them. That is so, I'm just, gratitude would flow, right? Well, Jesus, here's the gospel. Jesus paid your bill. The wages of sin is death. So because you and I are sinners, what we did is we racked up some debt that we had to pay. And the Bible says it very clearly that the wages of that, or The payment for your sins is death. Well, Jesus paid the bill. Can I get an amen to that, somebody? He paid your bill. He he loved you so much that he said, listen, I don't want them to pay for their own sins. I'll pay the bill. And we look at that as believers, we'll say, Jesus but I ate the food, but I'm the one who sinned. And Jesus says, I know, I just love you. And I paid the bill. And out of that flows this gratitude to Christ. Oh, thank you. Like, as you look for people in the restaurant, like, I, I want to say thanks to somebody. Who, who do I? Th- so our whole life, because Jesus paid the bill, our whole life is I'm just, giving, I'm just giving so much gratitude, so much worship to Jesus because he paid the bill for me. He paid the bill. Can I, can I tell you something? So hell is a place where people pay their own bill if they want to. But you don't have to. You don't have to pay the bill. You don't have to go to hell. But hell is a place where people are paying for their own sins. But the Bible so clearly states, but if you just call out to Christ, if if you just trust in Christ, you don't have to pay the bill. It's already been paid. See, it doesn't make sense. If somebody, if, if I go to lunch today and somebody just pays my bill, and, and, and of course, I'm, I'm grateful for that. I look around, well, who did that? 
what if I went up to the counter and I said, and she, she says, well, listen, your, your bill's already been paid. Oh, well, that was really nice, but I, I'm gonna go ahead and pay anyway. Well, she would look at you like you're stupid. He would look at you like you're stupid. Well, why would you do that? Your bill's already been paid. Like, right? It, it's, it's saying, well, I, I didn't want the, I, I mean, it doesn't make sense to, to double pay the bill. So when you trust in Christ, Grace says you don't have to go up to the counter and pay your own bill. It's already been paid for. So, so some people, when you add human, human effort to the grace of God, in effect, what you're doing is you're going up to the cashier and saying, you know what? I want to add to whatever was paid for me. And they're looking at you like you're crazy. You don't have to add anything to it. And Paul is looking at the church of Galatia saying, you're crazy. You're foolish. You don't have to add anything to it. It doesn't make sense. The grace of God is so powerful that you've been fully forgiven and you're not meant to live under guilt. You're meant to live in gratitude. Come on, everybody. Can I get an amen to that? See, I'm telling you, it's the beauty of grace. It's, it's the incredible awesomeness of grace. Galatians 3.10. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scripture says, cursed is everyone, everyone who does not observe and obey all of the commandments that are written in God's book of the law. Uh, another verse in James 2, chapter 10, says it this way, that, that whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one area is actually guilty of breaking all of the law. So he says, if you try to live your life in perfection, earning your way to heaven, you're actually, you're thinking that the blessings of God are going to flow in your life because of your goodness. And the truth of the matter is, it's actually a curse. You've been duped. You thought you could do it on your own, but you can't. You've been duped. No, anybody who tries to live according to the law and to earn salvation, no, they've been cursed. They chose the wrong way, the wrong path. Verse 11, so it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of the law, which says, here's the law, here's what the law says. It's through obeying the law that a, purpose, that, that a person has life. Okay, so we call that in... in uh, in the Christian world, in the pastoral world, we would call that, it's a false gospel, we would call that a 51% gospel, which is no gospel at all. The 51% gospel says, well, if my good outweighs my bad, then I'm in. And the truth of the matter is, if you're guilty of breaking one thing, one aspect of the law, you're guilty of breaking all of it. L let me say it this way. If, if any one of you were to go out and commit murder, this is not a trick question. If you were to go out and commit murder, what would that make you? It would make you a murderer. Well, pastor, I only did it once. And, and, and you, you're, yeah, you say, well, that's just, well, that's just crazy. If you, if you kill one person, you're still a murderer even if you've only done it once. And if you've committed one sin, you're still a sinner. Even if you've only done it once. But all of us know 
that we've sinned far more than that. Far more than that. And if you try to earn your salvation, the Bible says it so very, very clearly that there is nobody who is righteous. And it goes on to say, no, not one. Like you can look this world over and you're never going to find anybody good enough for heaven who's earned the right to go to heaven except for the one person who walked this earth and never sinned, and it was Jesus Christ, our Savior. You could never earn it. You could never, ever earn it. Okay, so here, here are the options here that I want, I'm gonna go through with you. Without Christ, without Christ, your options are you either never sin, so you have to be perfect, impossible, or you pay your own bill. Well, how do I pay my bill? Death. Let me say it another way. Eternal separation from God in a very real hell. See, people who go to hell are those who have chosen to pay their own bill instead of trusting Christ as Savior. You don't have to do that. In Christ, you don't have to pay what he's already paid for, and that's grace. Galatians 3.19. So why then was the law given? If it doesn't, if it doesn't help us, if, if we can't achieve it, if we can't be good enough, why is the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins, but the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. It was only given until Jesus Christ came into the picture. And it goes on to say, verse 24, he says, Paul says, let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through Faith, not works, not your actions, not your goodness, but through faith and through faith alone. Oh, okay. This, the law was our guardian. I'm going to break down that word. That word guardian is very accurate. Uh, other translations say that the law was actually our schoolmaster. And I, I think the better word is tutor. But they use the word guardian because it is very accurate in that. When a family would hire a guardian, that guardian was not only there to protect the children, that guardian was actually there to teach the children as well. So the guardian was protecting them and teaching them simultaneously. It was like every kid at that, at that age was, was homeschooled, everybody. But it wasn't just the parents. It was a guardian that came in to help. It was a, a tutor, a school master. Okay, so this is what it means. Letter A. What, what he's saying in verse 24 is that the law leads us to Christ. The law leads us to Christ. Let, let me say it a different way. The law points out the fact that you haven't lived up to it. It points out the fact that you have failed in your life to live up to perfection, that you have sinned. So at a very, very young age, at the very, at the very young age of seven, I knew in my heart that I was a sinner in need of a savior. And I knew it because inside of me, I knew the difference between right and wrong. The law was at work in this world and in my conscience. I knew right from wrong. And, and that little two-year-old that you think is so sweet, that little two-year-old knows right from wrong. 
uh-uh, don't touch. And then you get the, you get the look. Uh, I'm going to touch it anyway. I know it's wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. And, and they're reaching in, as they're reaching into the, cookie gar, in the cookie jar, are you supposed to have that? And they smile real big, and they reach for it anyway. They know exactly what they're doing, everybody. They know right from wrong, even at a very, how many know what I'm talking about? They, they know right from wrong, even at a very young age. They just do. And what it does is it creates in us, if God is holy, and he is, well, then how am I supposed to get to him when I'm such a sinner? How, how am I supposed to approach God, the, the very essence of holiness, when, I, when I'm a failure at so many things? So the law leads us to Christ. And now we hear the message of Christ. We hear the message of grace. And we have to make this decision. Am I going to pay for my own sins? Am I going to pay the bill? Or am I going to allow Jesus to pay the bill for me and live a life of gratitude? In fact, write this down, letter B. That true faith, true faith is the combination of belief and trust. True faith is the combination of belief and trust. I'm going to give letter C very quickly, and then I'm going to break this down to you. Letter C is true faith, then, plus nothing. True faith in Christ and in Christ alone. True faith in Christ plus nothing equals salvation. So here we have a struggle. What does it look like to have true faith? Let me say it this way. True faith in Christ is not just a belief. It is a trust that you have in him. Let, 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 me, let me show you the difference. I, I know a person, this has happened years ago, but I know somebody who, who said, you know, I was talking to them about their relationship with God. And, and they said, oh, I'm a Christian. But yet I, I looked at them and was like, there is nothing attached to your life that would ever tell me that you're a believer in Christ. There's nothing attached to your life that tells me that you're a follower of Christ. And, and I asked him, I said, well, tell me about that. Tell me about how you came to Christ. He said, well, when I was little, I just, I prayed the prayer. You know that prayer that you pray in church? Well, I prayed the prayer, and so I'm good. I believe in Jesus. I prayed the prayer. Now I get to go do whatever I want to because my salvation my, my, my journey, my trip to heaven is guaranteed. And I looked at him and I said, that's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. And what I, what I often fear and what I often pray about, I shouldn't say fear, but what I'm very cautious about is that at the end, and then it'll happen today, at the end of services, we often give people the, the opportunity to accept Christ as Savior. Hey, would you like to trust in Christ as Savior? A word that I use a lot is the word surrender. Would you like to surrender your life to Christ, to trust him for salvation? But if you put, if you put the emphasis on, well, I prayed the prayer, I said the magic words, I repeated after the pastor, well, I'm in. I, I, can I tell you, that is works. It's works. When you say, well, I prayed the prayer, I'm good, no. The Bible says even the demons, even devils believe in Jesus and they're not saved. 
So you say, well, I believe in Jesus. Well, that's good. But the real gospel is this. Has your belief in Christ Jesus formed into trust in Christ Jesus? Where you're trusting in Christ alone for salvation and nothing more. So here's, I'm gonna shock some of you. There are people, and I mean thousands upon thousands of them, that don't even know what the sinner's prayer is. And they have been saved by grace through faith. Because they came to their senses. See, there's no magic phrase that saves you. It's this, it's this decision on the inside. Jesus, I believe wholeheartedly that you are the son of God, that you died on the cross for my sins, that you were raised to new life. You are the son of God, savior of the world. And today I trust in you as savior, that I cannot save myself and I'm trusting only in you. And if that's a thought instead of a prayer, did you know that it's okay? Let me tell you why. The sinner's prayer isn't in the Bible. It's just not there. So they, they well, have you trusted in Christ for salvation? And that's what I would ask you today. I'm going to ask you, have, not have you prayed a prayer, but do you live with the heart of gratitude to Christ, knowing that he paid your bill? Do you live with that attitude? Thank you, Jesus. You paid the bill I would never want to pay. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. You see? You see everybody? So if somebody says, well, I, I prayed the prayer. I'm in, I'm in. I get to go live how I want to live. No. No, you don't. Because a lot of you are thinking, well, okay, if grace is so wonderful, so that means we can just pray this prayer and go back to doing what we want to? Or we can have this thought, we can trust in Christ and go live how we want to. No, no, no. If you have had that decision, I'm trusting in Christ and Christ alone, you won't want to go back to the way that it used to be. Because the Bible says you've been made new, not better. You've been made new. You've been transformed. And all of a sudden, you, your desires change. Your heart changes. And instead of living your life trying to fulfill the desires that you once had as an unbeliever, now you're trying to live a life filling, filling the desires that God has placed in you. A life of holiness is one of them. A life of joy and peace and love and hope and kindness and gentleness and self-control is one. Come on, everybody. That your desires change. Your desires change. So I'm going to give you something, the facts to fight foolishness. Are you ready? Because we don't want to be foolish any longer. We want to be foolish no more. The facts to fight foolishness. Number one, God doesn't love me because of who I am. He loves me because of who he is. That I could never earn, I could never be good enough to earn salvation. That while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. He knew that I was going to fail. He knew that I was going to sin. He knew I was going to be rebellious, and he died anyway. He paid my bill anyway. As I'm sitting at the table of the restaurant, Jesus looked at me and said, you're not worthy of this, but I'm going to pay your bill anyway. You see it now? And when you realize that he paid your bill, oh, I'm so not worthy. You're right. You're not but he loves you and he loved you in your sin 
and he loves you in your salvation. And he'll never love you more, and he'll never love you less. His love is perfect, it's consistent, it's unchanging, and it's unending. God is love. So, number two, the grace, through grace, through grace, I am, I am gift righteous, not self-righteous. I don't even know if gift righteous is a real word. I don't know, but it is today. That I have been gifted righteousness in my life. I've been gifted righteousness, to which I say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for gifting righteousness to me because I could never gain it on my own. He just graced me with it. Now the Bible says, you say, well, what about the Bible? It says, when God says, be holy because I am holy. So how, how does that work, pastor? Does God make me holy or do I strive for holiness? Yes. You got it right. You could never make yourself holy, but you are holy in Christ Jesus. You've, made, you've been made righteous in right standing with God. Now, pursue holiness, but not out of guilt. It's because the Holy Spirit is putting some desires in you that are different from what, from what you used to have. And all of a sudden you long for holiness. It's a desire of your heart. It's a longing that you have and you did not produce that in you. That's God producing it in you. And, and in fact, write this down. That grace isn't just pardon, it's power. Grace isn't just pardon, it's power. Grace is not just leniency, it's enablement. I'm gonna show this to you in Titus, the book of Titus chapter two, verse 11 starts this. It says, for the grace of God is pure that offers salvation to all people, to every person. And that same grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Watch this, verse 14. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to, pure him, to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. What he's saying is, first of all, you cannot purify yourself. You don't have the power to purify yourself. No, it's actually the grace of God that teaches you to say no to ungodliness. It's his grace that leads you into integrity. It's his grace that makes you have these desires to want to do what's right and to be who he's called you to be. That's grace. It's grace. It's grace. The whole thing, it's grace. So if you say, well, what if people take advantage of grace? Can I tell you something? In one, if people have this heart to say, you know what, I, I'm gonna believe in Christ, but I'm gonna go do what I wanna do, I would say that they're, they're not a recipient of that level of grace from God, that they haven't truly been changed. Now, you say, well, how do I know? It's not up for you to know, it's not up for me to know. It's up, it's up to God. He knows, he just knows. Well, well, what about all these people? Can, can I tell you something? 
get your eyes off of people and set your eyes on Christ, the author and the perfecter of your faith, who is purifying you to be who he's called you to be. And that's by his grace. His grace teaches you to say no to ungodliness. It's his grace. It's his grace. So how are we saved? We're not saved through some magic prayer. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That's how we're saved. It's when we get to this moment in ourselves, in our, in our, in our inner person, we say, I am a sinner in need of a savior. I cannot save myself. Therefore, I am trusting Christ completely for my salvation. I rely on the work of Jesus and not on the work of Justin. And at that moment, when you rely wholeheartedly upon Christ, the Bible says that you are saved by grace through faith and not of yourselves. It is a very gracious gift from God. I'm gonna have you stay right where you are. Stay seated, nobody moving around. Would you bow your heads just for a moment? Let me ask you a question. Have you been saved by grace through faith? Have you trusted Christ wholeheartedly for salvation? You're trusting in Christ and Christ alone. And you know that you can add nothing to it. You can add no, nothing to it to make it more beautiful than it already is. Because his grace is perfect. And you can never make it better. Are you relying wholeheartedly in Christ or are you not? And if you're not, have you been trying to pay your own bill? Have you been trying to earn your way to Jesus? Can I tell you that's no gospel? That's not, that is not the heart of God. It's not the call of God. It's not the will of God. It's not the word of God. It's a false gospel as if you could be good enough to make your way to heaven, to earn your way to heaven. The Bible says it this way, on your very best day, your righteousness is like filthy rags. On your very best day, the level of holiness that you could produce is no level of holiness at all compared to the holiness of our God. And you have to rely wholeheartedly upon Jesus and Jesus alone. And he paid the bill. All you have to do is trust in him. Say, Jesus, I thank you for saving me. I trust you that you paid my bill so that I wouldn't have to. Maybe some of you are going back and forth. You, you're so grateful for grace. But then that old mentality sweeps in and you try to, you try to start earning it again. You try to start working again instead of just enjoying it. Instead of living a life of gratitude, you live a life of guilt. And that's no way to live. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's what the Bible says. You don't have to live a life of guilt. You get to live a life of gratefulness, though. Let me ask you a question very simply. If you're not living in the tree of life, is how we would say it. If you're not... 
if you're not trusting wholeheartedly in Christ and you've been, you've been relying on yourself to make your way to heaven and today you realize that you've been doing it the wrong way or maybe you swing back to that tree, you, 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 you get on the vine and you jump to the other tree and you start, you start going back to the works mentality instead of the worship mentality and you just want to repent of that today. You want to renounce that and rely wholeheartedly in Christ and Christ alone. I want to ask you to raise your hands really high. Yeah, lots of hands. Yeah, just keep them up just for a second. Raise them really high. I'm so proud of you. So proud of you. Life awaits. Life awaits. You can put your hands down. And I want to pray a prayer, very simple prayer. Remember, this is a matter of your heart. There's no magic prayer. That would be works. No, it's a matter of your heart. But Lord, from the bottom of our hearts, we realize we are sinners in need of a Savior. And today, we refuse to rely on ourselves for salvation because that's not what the Word says. That's not what your Word says. That wasn't your design. Your design was that Jesus would pay my bill so that I wouldn't have to. He died so that I wouldn't have to. That if I would put my faith, if I would not only believe in Jesus, but trust wholeheartedly in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and add nothing to it, that I would be saved by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. And that's what I'm choosing today. So today I make a confession of faith. Jesus, you are the Savior of the world. And I rely wholeheartedly upon you and your work on the cross, you paying my debt so that I wouldn't have to, and being raised to new life, proving that it was effective, that it worked. Today I choose you. I rely upon you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for paying the bill. Thank you. And allow me to worship you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Could we stand up together and give the Lord a hand clap of praise today? Thank you, Jesus, for paying the bill. Thank you. Oh, he's so good, isn't he? He's so good. He's so good. He's so good. Why would you not want to give him your entire life, your entire worship, your entire heart? He's so good. He's so good. I love, I love talking about the grace of God. And I'll tell you, we're going to go deeper next week. Don't miss it. Galatians chapter 4, read ahead. Be here next Sunday morning. If you prayed that prayer today and... You're just now beginning a relationship with Christ. We have a book for you at, at Guest Services, just a small little booklet called Fresh Start. Make sure you pick that up at Guest Services on your way out. If you haven't got it before, you're more than welcome to. It's free of charge. And I want to speak a blessing, a blessing that I've been, I've been speaking over new songs since the beginning of this year, and I'm going to continue to do so really for until the Lord Jesus comes back is my plan, everybody. So would you open up your hands toward heaven? Let me bless you. Oh, Father, that you would bless us indeed. Thank you, Lord. We receive it now. 
Lord, that you would enlarge our territory and let your hand be with us and keep us from all harm. I speak that over new song, every family, every individual, both here and those watching online and those not able to come today. I speak it as being done in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you so much. I'll see you next Sunday. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org contact. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones who God is using to make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Thank you for watching. We hope you tune in next week.